0: Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin. Today is October the 30th. 2020 strong hand long-term thinking bitcoin is the next bitcoin unconfiscatable i'm offended by selling hello my elite friends it's the day before halloween it's the last this week in bitcoin show before the united states election that everyone's been talking about for two years oh no it won't be corrupt there won't be any canadians in california voting We've got a Canadian in California, Kyle is here, JW is in the house, and Jim, Surfer Jim is on the East Coast, oh, what what a time to be alive during this golden age, if you guys have questions for the panel, type in the super chat, type in Bitcoin Meister, do the usual, all right, I'm still pumped from Charlie Lee being on the show, now, The big news of the week, and that was yesterday, so check out the archives, dude. But best freaking guest in the space, these dudes are just as awesome as Charlie. Okay, so big news that everyone was talking about at the beginning of the week, and we will get to current events, by the way. Because all three of these dudes that are on the show right now are strong-handed Bitcoiners who were never scared by all the – hysteria that's been on TV in February. All these guys have been freaking great. So it all came together perfectly that before, because it might all disappear, all the hysteria might disappear on Wednesday after the election's over, the the way things are going. So these guys have been strong-handed the whole time. But okay, so Michael Saylor's got a freaking lot of Bitcoin, okay? He straight up told the world that he's got over 17,000 freaking Bitcoin himself. Okay. So this guy has been put on a pedestal by everyone. And I was saying like you can't worship the dude, but even this was like, Whoa, man, you were so hardcore. You just didn't get it for your freaking business. You are, you understand what scarcity is. You spent nine figures on freaking Bitcoin. You now personally own almost 0.1% of all the Bitcoin circulating out there. So I, I see JW's uh, tweeting nice things about uh seller. And before the show, I was even joking. I'm like, "That's pretty cool because you know, J.W. He doesn't say nice things about anybody." <laughs> so, <laughs> J.W., what is? Welcome back, man. I'm so glad to have you back here. Uh, take yeah, it away. Man. On, on, what do you think about the overall Michael Saylor MicroStrategy situation? And uh, no, just yeah, give us your your take.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think everything that people are saying about it, uh, as far as being excited that somebody that uh, that has a good track record of being successful you know this is it's kind of like Jack you know uh, Twitter Jack uh, coming out and saying uh, good things about Bitcoin it's it's a big it's a big step um, because there aren't very many billionaires that are that are you know saying good things about Bitcoin right you can count them on one hand and uh, what's amazing about sailor I think other than the fact that like he's a technology guy, um, so he came up to speed super quick. I mean, he he just gets how networks work. He he understands.
2: He didn't have to go through a,
1: a scam coiner phase, right? He didn't have to touch Litecoin or any of the uh, any of the retarded scams that people have pushed. So that's very encouraging. The other thing that's been awesome about this is that he's going in like way harder than anybody else has, right? For a guy with the significant net worth, I mean. I just googled his net worth. That can be way off, but it says 500 million, right? I think that's that's more. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it's clear that he's put a huge chunk. Like I don't think I don't think he's got 10 billion, right? So for him to put in a a quarter billion dollars of his own money and then half a billion dollars of the company that he owns most of, like this is a large percentage of his net worth now is in Bitcoin. And this isn't some you know this isn't some weirdo, right? This is a, a respected you know CEO. Um, 20 years or something, uh, running MicroStrategy, publicly traded company, uh, respected company. So it, I think it is as big of a deal as people think it is. And uh, the hope is that, you know, like Square following suit with their their investment is huge. Um, but he, I think he kind of represents two huge narratives, right? Or, or two huge, uh, let's say, uh, paths for adoption. One is high net worth individuals putting in significant, scandals, which is like, we haven't seen that before, right? The other is um, corporations taking a significant portion of their treasury and putting it Bitcoin. And if you had asked me two years ago whether I thought that was possible, I would have said no. I don't think that these corporations that are so beholden to government and live off government favors are gonna spit in the face of the Fed and that entire network uh, when when they need it, right? Like the last thing I would want to do if I was the CEO of a publicly traded company is piss off the Fed right now. I need them buying my bonds. I need them pumping up my stock because they're the only consumer that exists, right? If I'm an airline, I'll put transgender kids on advertisements. I don't care about the consumer. I don't care if parents don't want to have to put a mask on a six-month-old. None of that matters to me. The only thing that matters is keeping the Fed happy because they're my purchaser, right? They're buying my bonds. They're printing money and giving it to me when I need it. Everything else is bullshit. It's a nationalized uh, economy. That's the way I would look at it. But you know, I'm I'm a super cynical, you know, crusty old guy. Uh, but Sailor obviously doesn't, right? I mean, he is just he's just completely gone the other way, and that's that's been totally shocking to me. Um, and it's not just Sailor because his company's publicly traded. He's got investors like BlackRock that are involved. He didn't do this without getting their Approval, right? Yes, he has 78%, but you're not, you're not going to make a move like this and, and piss off your other investors and, and risk lawsuits and uh, all kinds of other things. So he's, he's connected into that world. And for him to make this big of a move, I think it's rightly shocking to us that it's a realistic possibility.
2: Really
0: define redefine what going all in means. I mean, <laughs> even though he, he probably still has a significant amount of wealth that's not in Bitcoin, it's it just it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, but what do you think, your security guy? He straight up admitted how many Bitcoin he had. Uh, what what do you think about that from Opsec perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, my thir- first thought was like, ah, uh, yikes. But my second thought was, you know what? At, at the level that he's playing at, if he can get other billionaires to adopt it. And other corporations to go in on it. That that's probably a better move for his own personal security. Like he, I'm sure he's spending seven figures on on uh, you know guys with AR-15s as it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it, a, a lot of a lot of security comes down to politics, right? Like you wouldn't think somebody like Kanafi could have lived for more than a few weeks without getting taken out. But you've got enough politics. You've got enough uh, powerful people that are trying to support you and i think in a way that that may kind of you know be another sort of narrative shift right where it's like there's safety in crowds and by him going out there and trying to attract other people to get in on this um i mean we we are definitely witnessing a a massive revolution right and you never want to be the first the first guy with the beret but you know, if you're gonna be, you might as well get the other guys following you as soon as possible. So I think he may have he may have thought it through like that. I mean, it, but this is a this is a huge blow, right? for For a corporation to hold, I mean, imagine if if uh, if they went in all, all in on uh, you know uh, Chinese yen or RMB or whatever, right? Like that that's a huge statement of alliance, and uh, for for a U.S. corporation to uh, to really say we're, we're effectively leaving the nation of the United States of America, right, with our assets and we're putting them into this other uh, non-nation state uh, store of value is, is a pretty big deal. So I mean, he's, he had to have a lot of stones to do the first thing that he did, which was make these investments in the first place. Um, so I'm not totally shocked that he's uh, he's got the stones to say, you know, uh, I'm doing it. I'm doing it with my personal wealth and uh, you guys should follow me. So it's it's bold, it's it's uh, it's impressive, but but I think if it uh you know if it works and we do get a lot of Bitcoin adoption, uh, he's going to be a lot safer than just trying to keep it secret, which is pretty much impossible with anyway, those
0: amounts. It's better to be the first than the last, and if if it works out like we think it might, his corporation is going to be incredibly wealthy. He's going to be incredibly wealthy. It's just it's amazing, and it's a huge story. And we're going to get back to it in a second. Uh, but I want to get to Kyle, as everyone can see. <laughs> They're coming for him. I think that's the. Uh, <laughs> he, he is he is outside in the corrupt uh, state of California, where no doubt he's going to vote <laughs> eight times on Tuesday, <laughs> even though he's a Canadian. Uh, but that's what go, that's, you know, that's what's going down in California. But what is your what is your take on uh, this? This
3: Michael Saylor owning all this uh, Bitcoin. And passing it to I mean, world? and and until that whole micro strategy thing, I would never even heard of Michael Saylor before. Um, and then I guess with this, uh, this announcement too, that he's, that he personally owns 17,000 bitcoins. It was like, yeah, from an OPSEC point of view, it was like, whoa, whoa, pointing, painting a major target on yourself. But alas, like, like JW mentioned, like, it'll be okay. And he's got the funds to protect himself. Um, this is something that I have been like preaching to heads of big businesses and industries, and even central banks as a strategy of add crypto and add Bitcoin to your reserves. Uh, by not owning any, you are uh, in, a, a, you are underexposed to it, and you're taking a risk by not owning any. For them to come out with that bold strategy of saying, we wanna own, what was it, 0.1% was like, you know, their their rationale. Um, You know, they're taking a hyper speculative bet and I feel like they've just turned that company into a passive investment vehicle for Bitcoin. So based on their holdings by investing just directly into MicroStrategy, you are effectively gaining exposure to crypto or to Bitcoin. So, you know, that's really interesting. And, And I also think that this represents something called a prisoner's dilemma, too. Uh, where he, by by being the first to make this move, he's going to reap all the benefits. And the Prisoner's Dilemma, it's if one person acts and everybody else doesn't, they win. If everybody acts together, they all kind of sort of win. And if nobody acts, they all lose. So, like, this is, the, this is what has taken place here uh, by them going and announcing it publicly and then him personally disclosing. And in his disclosure, too, he said, I think he said, he, he purchased it on average around $9,000. So, I mean, he hasn't even really been in the space that long, um, hence why, you know, most of us probably never heard of him until uh, all this went down. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. No,
0: you're, you're very, you're, you make a very good point that should be applied to central banks also. The first one that does it and announces it, uh, it'll, it'll start – and we've been saying this for some time – it'll start a tidal wave of other ones uh, doing it so you, you want I do wonder which central bank will be the first one to announce we're getting we're getting closer to that point because once the corporations start to announce it it's only a matter of time before one of these central banks
3: right and some of the central banks steps up like, and says, you know, hey, have we've been buying it for an average of ten thousand dollars right and some of the central banks have a requirement to disclose things publicly. But I would imagine that there are some central banks that already have it on the balance sheet, and they've been quietly accumulating it. Who don't have any reporting obligation, who are operating in, uh, let's say, um, somewhat shady countries, uh, where the rule of law doesn't necessarily apply, and you know, transparency and accountability isn't the, the uh, you know, the request of the people or isn't the <laughs> purpose of the government. So, again, when and I've, I've suggested this to the Canadian Central Bank as well, is, and trying to identify as well, and this is something I did a fair bit of work around, was how much Bitcoin should they buy? Because if they decide, okay, I'm going to add it to the reserves, like what's the number? How do they defend that number? And this is a question that many people, you know, don't really have the answer. They say, well, they can just look at how they deal with gold. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, I mean, and I posit to have an answer for that.
0: Uh, I, I think they should they should uh, put it in a way that says we're going to own the expert. It's proper for a country to own 0.1 percent of all Bitcoin ever uh, to be produced. I mean <laughs> that that's the logic. You have to uh, boil it down to, to something like that. Or you know, there's X amount of countries on earth. Thus, uh, we we have to own and, and we have this percentage of population. This we should have this percentage. I mean, there's some mathematical formula that could come up, but there's exactly. all sorts of yeah, and I would
3: and I would posit that the world like Credit Suisse puts the world's wealth at about 300 trillion. So if you can identify like that's that's the total that's the total wealth in all the world. So if you can identify, you know, what your footprint of wealth maybe as a country might be or even just as a bank might be then understand your footprint. And then the great thing about Bitcoin is we know there's a full supply. There's only ever going to be 21 million. So if you take your footprint and just multiply it by 21 million, you get a number that you can defend against. And it's not going to be huge. Uh, It's getting more and more expensive. And there's going to come a time when they're not going to be able to do that. And that will show that hyper-Bitcoinization is taking place.
0: On that like button, dudes, it's now time for Surfer Jim. And guess what? Surfer Jim, you wrote an article... Uh, that, uh, and I linked to it. I have linked to it below. It's funny that we're talking about uh, uh, you talked about uh, what the real estate, uh, the, the value of real estate on the planet and how much Bitcoin you would have to own to represent, you know, owning you know, one acre or whatever it was. It's very similar to what, what we were just talking about there. But, and that's linked to below, by the way, you know, Bitcoin in terms of, of real estate. Uh, but uh, what is your take on Michael Saylor making this announcement and, and the whole situation?
2: uh well thanks adam for having me i appreciate it um michael saylor uh i've listened to a lot of interviews and he appears to me to be the kind of guy who evaluates things very deeply uh similar to myself i have to find the logic in things before i can understand it and get behind it it's what put me over the edge with bitcoin once i saw all the pieces connect i couldn't not participate and i think he got to a similar position personally um I think what motivated him was looking around at the business world and trying to navigate what he's personally going to do with his business holdings and then, of course, his personal holdings. And he was fortunate enough. uh, We all know he dismissed it in 2013, but he was fortunate enough to see Bitcoin again, pay attention to it this time, but not just pay attention, literally deep dive into it to the point where he was completely red-pilled and he had to convince everybody around him to open their eyes and really see it. Once he did that, very methodically, by the way, by forcing people to watch videos and reading things like PJ Boyapati's Bullish Case for Bitcoin, those other board members and, and other important people that had to agree with him all had to get red-pilled to the same level. And uh, you think about his purchase price for a microstrategy is around 11,111, he says. And his own purchase price was around 9 which means he was buying while he was convincing the rest of the people to buy for the corporation. So he was already in this deep, made a very, very deep personal commitment, convinced everybody around the business that had to be convinced to allow the business to take the same position. And uh, I just think he's just a very methodical analyst who looks at this very, very logically. And back to your um, your. Uh, Mentioning of uh, the footprint, Uh, you know, his footprint as a corporation, a central bank's footprint uh, in the monetary system of the world. I do think that there is some logic to if you are a central bank or a corporation looking at where you fit in the current monetary system and then saying if I wanted to be at the same level in the Bitcoin monetary system, how much Bitcoin would I have to own? Uh, I'm not sure if anybody could ever get the amount that they would calculate out to be the right amount because Bitcoin is very limited. Um, but that is one way to look at it. And referencing the article I wrote about Bitcoin and real estate, I simply tried to divide up all the real estate on the earth by the amount of people. And if you did that, how much acreage would each person get? And then if you divided up all the Bitcoin, how much would you get? And turns out you'd get a little more than an acre or two uh, if divided equally and your Bitcoin would be about 230,000 Satoshis. Um, And at the time when I did the analysis, uh, that would have gotten you the equivalent of like nine acres of real estate if you could have bought one Bitcoin for nine grand at the time. Uh, No, it would have been more like a thousand acres of real estate. So like if you had bought your share of of Bitcoin at 230,000 Satoshis, you would have had the equal share of land. But if you bought a full Bitcoin, uh, you would have had like a thousand acres of land compared to everybody else on the earth. So uh, it's really interesting to think about just buying a small piece of Bitcoin, what that constitutes in the world a pool of available Bitcoin and where you land relative to every other citizen on the planet. As you say all the time, buying one Bitcoin, the one Bitcoin show is what it's all about. You get one Bitcoin, 10, 20, 30 years from now, either you or your heirs are going to be among potentially the wealthiest people on the planet because that percentage of Bitcoin will be much higher than almost anybody could ever get.
0: Oh, right. I love that long-term thinking. Hey, his article again is linked to below. Jim, we're going to stick with you. On this question. Uh, so MicroStrategy, it was a huge story in September. I said it was the biggest story of the year. Sailor keeps on taking it to a new level every freaking week. Here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I do assume he has like, uh, a, like a million dollar security force at this point. JW makes a good point. But is what story is bigger? The PayPal story? That PayPal, now you're going to be able to buy soon. Uh, cryptocurrency on PayPal. And again, you're not going to be able to properly own it. But still, the 80%ers are going to get it thrown in their face that they could buy Bitcoin now. It, or is the uh, MicroStrategy story big, bigger? Wh- which one do you think is the biggest story of the year right now, Jim?
2: Uh, I think it depends on where you are within society. So uh, uh, I did not know about MicroStrategy until I heard the news. I didn't know who Michael Saylor was either. And most of the world still doesn't because they're not at that level of paying attention to Bitcoin or corporate treasuries or any of the other stuff that people in this community routinely are paying attention to but um everybody knows about paypal and if they just hear about that this thing they've been using for years has this new thing called bitcoin on it just that alone is huge so for the average person i think that's much bigger news in the long run now they're not going to understand it as you just said uh currently they're not allowing withdrawals, so uh, you know not your keys not your bitcoin but the uh, the marketing that that brings to Bitcoin is huge. So I think ultimately it could be a slightly bigger story in terms of reach. Uh, But I think Michael Saylor's story is more important in terms of principles of of people that have lots of money that want to protect their wealth, that see the big macro picture. Um, His story is important to those people. The uh, PayPal story just mentioning Bitcoin is going to be important to the regular folks out there. So I think it's all good. Uh, possibly the PayPal story hits more people, ultimately. All
0: right. Uh, in terms of scarcity, I, I think, uh, well, we'll see who takes off. That, that's uh, yet to be determined, which uh, which story will take uh, more Bitcoin off the market. I mean, if you combine what he personally took off the market, what his company took off the market, uh, PayPal is going to have to take quite a lot off the market. But they should uh, w- w- well, if they don't practice a fractional reserve lending. anyway, uh, let's go, what do you think right. What do you think's the biggest story, uh, uh, Kyle, PayPal or uh, microstrategy?
3: Uh, I think personally, I think microstrategy is the bigger, st- bigger story because that shows the, the inclusion of reserves into it, and that can trigger massive amounts of money into it. The PayPal story I don't know, like, just in looking at the terms of it. You know, again, like, is there going to be verifiability of PayPal's holdings of crypto? Will they actually be holding any con- any crypto, or will they be taking contracts out on crypto? Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just don't, don't really trust trust uh, trust that solution. But again, PayPal, I guess they are big, were big. I don't think they're as big as they once were in terms of. But I don't know. I, I don't, I don't really use them, so. I don't know too much about that, but the 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 micro strategy move was a bold, bold, badass move that we knew was going to be coming at some point, and it's come, it's arrived, and you know we're 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 one day away from 12 years since the Bitcoin white paper uh, was released. So it's taken almost 12 years for that to occur, but uh, yeah, that's incredible. The other thing is, you know, Jim was saying that he's that he's that Michael Saylor is a very, you know, a very technical researching programmatic person or pragmatic person in his approach. Uh, but I would also say that it sounds like there's a spiritual element to it as well. If he is coming at it, if, if he's, de- his declared purchase or average price was 11, 11. 11. Um, so, you know, that's just a have a high resonance number. And for that to be the official number, is only a good sign in my opinion. It's crazy. Oh, just bringing up that spiritual
0: stuff, there's some people who really love that, that watch this pound that like button. We got all <laughs> sorts here. All right, JW, I saved you for last on this topic, just in case you started to rip into PayPal nonstop. But uh, what's your what's your take on what, what's the bigger story, PayPal or MicroStrategy? Uh,
1: I, think, I think they're both big stories. I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I think it's interesting that, like, one is somebody getting converted that's really bright. Right. That's that's the Michael Saylor thing and getting converted in like a really big way, right, where he's putting in a huge chunk of his net worth and he's blazing the trail. And, uh, you know, he's he's acquiring it personally and getting the company to acquire it. So he's created this roadmap for anybody with half a brain to follow if they've got some some money. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty brilliant. But on the other hand, like PayPal is the enemy and they've adopted Bitcoin now and that might be better. Right. Like we, we want the bad guys to uh to start supporting us too um, and you know would it be a big deal if like Bank of America suddenly allowed people to, to the, uh, transfer funds instantly from US dollars to Bitcoin and back again totally that's totally a big deal um, partly because they suck so bad right um, and that's I think what applies to PayPal I mean they're, they're one of the worst companies ever uh the history that we have with them and, and WikiLeaks is uh, you know, a stuff of legend. Um, and uh, they're the worst. But there was so much pressure, even they had to at least support Bitcoin in some way. I do think they'll eventually allow withdrawals. I think that, you know, it's it's pretty typical for companies to roll out like a very sort of limited uh, thing. And I don't think they're any worse than cornblades or a lot of these other ranges as far as the threat of fractional reserves and that sort of stuff. I mean, I I understand the community is like a new abnormal or, or, you know, significant hatred of PayPal. So uh, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, they they enabled Bitcoin Purchases, I know it's in quotes. I think that they will enable withdrawals, and I do think that it's a big deal that more and more companies are adopting it. Um, you know, Cash App is great, and they're 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 huge, uh, but PayPal's bigger, uh, and uh, they're you know they are the crusty old uh, sons of guns that that we need to take over. So it, I think it's I think both are really good stories. And uh, I'm looking forward to just seeing more of the same. We need these—we uh, need these pieces of good news in a super uh, dark and depressing time in, in politics right now. So the more the merrier.
0: man. Oh, wow. JW with the positive take there on PayPal, even I'm—I'm I'm impressed. All right, let's uh, let's move on. We're—we're we're, we're leaving uh, this behind. I see there's uh, some. We'll get, we'll get to the question. Gregor Kovac sent 9.99. Thank you. Best guest in the space, Shabbat shalom, dude. I freaking agree, man. Best freaking guest in the space and Shabbat shalom. All right, Jim. We're moving on to you. Uh, talk about uh, something that was in the news. The uh, Bank of Canada governor says digital dollar project moving past trial stage. If another country has one, and we, don't, that could certainly create some problems. So we want to make sure we're ready to an interview. Basically, Canada is getting closer to having a central bank digital currency. Uh, there are a lot of countries, like there's a, a race to be the first one uh, to, to do this. And the, the stories are linked to below. And by the way, all three of these guys are linked to below. Uh, you should follow them all on Twitter. But Jim, what, what's your take on a, a central bank digital currency race, Canada, talking about it in that article? Jim. Uh, Jim? A- anyone hear me?
2: We lost Jim.
0: No, he should be. He's right oh, there. Jim, I'm oh, Jim,
2: Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just realized. Um, can you hear me now? Yes, sir. All right. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, the central banks. Uh, I think what's happening is smart people that high up in in banking and in government are, uh, they also understand Bitcoin just like Michael Saylor. And I think uh, the reality is they, they recognize Bitcoin cannot be co-opted, but their own central bank digital currency will allow them the same power that they've had with the printing press currently with money. And I think uh, they're going to sell that as you know good for society, but really it's just good for them. They'll be controlling people's money at a, at a much higher level than they currently do now. So I could see the race for all central banks wanting to create their own digital currency heating up very, uh, very quickly and and very seriously among them, but I don't think it will ever really compete with Bitcoin. To me, it's just another centralized authority controlling money, which ultimately controls the lives of human beings and steals their productivity over time, because they can just make as much of it as they want, just like the current system. So it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I think in the end though, humanity will win if they have Bitcoin as their money, not any central bank digital currency as their money. I think we will definitely
0: see uh, a major, I mean, it might be better than the 2024 having. It's got. There'll be the 2024 having. We're going to have plenty of central uh, bank digital currencies out there. These things are all about monitoring and controlling the population. But the 80 percenters will uh, gladly accept it for some unknown reason. Well, convenience and because they're told. Yeah. They 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 do what they're told, as we have seen with <laughs> so much in the current environment. Uh, but it it is interesting that Canada is trying to really making a a play on this that, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to stay on top, I, I think, temporarily, and probably will help them if they're the first one to do it. JW, what's your take on the central bank, digital currencies, Canada, etc?
1: Yeah, it's, I'm not exactly sure what, it, it, it seems like everybody uses the CBC thing, like blockchain, you know, a few years ago, and you never really know what the heck anybody's talking about when they say it. But uh, I think there's two kind of major possibilities. One is that they they don't roll it out to consumers and it doesn't really affect consumers in which case it's it's just a big nothing burger because it's all databases in the background anyway so that there's there's nothing there it's blockchain you know at IBM or something it's just completely nothing um, but if they do roll out something to consumers and it has a few attributes like the the things that I'm looking for is one is Do you have your own keys? Even if you're still trusting the central authority, is it a wallet-like experience? Or is it tied to your identity? Because right now, banking is all about your meat space identity, and that's not great for all kinds of reasons. So if they enabled us to have, even if it's just dollars, a tether-like experience right, where you still have a wallet and the keys are what control it, even though it's with permission. Um, And if the payment is fast and irreversible, all of those three things would be Epic! That would be amazing. Um, and part of the reason that it would be amazing is that it would make buying Bitcoin so much easier. It's such a pain in the butt to buy Bitcoin right now because of the legacy rails. They're so bad. If I was to send you money right now through an ACH transfer, you can't be sure that I'm not going to claw that money back for like six months. So it's literally a six month transaction period. Uh, the consumers don't know that because they get a deposit in their bank account from their boss, and they run off and spend it, and they feel good about it. But five months later, if their boss wants to, they could say, "Oh, that wasn't authorized." And the default thing that the bank will do is reverse it, claw it out of your account, and you're screwed. Which is which creates tons of room for fraud. And I don't know how these companies are even able to sell Bitcoin in that environment. So I think if something like that comes out of it, it'll be great. It'll increase competition between countries uh, because you know you'll be able to. You'll be able to easily buy, uh, you know, right, right now, I'm sure through E-Trade or something, I can buy foreign currencies. But if everybody can do that, it's really accessible and easy, and you don't need identity, that'll be kind of an interesting thing. Um, and I do think that if China rolls out digital RMB and nobody else does, obviously demand for digital RMB is going to go up because you've just created a global market, right? Somebody sitting in Zimbabwe can buy some digital RMB. And, you know, digital RMB sucks, but maybe it doesn't suck as bad as the, the local currency in Zimbabwe. So that's that's going to be interesting. But I think ultimately the thing that matters about it, if they do do it, is that it will uh, just make it that much easier to move over to Bitcoin and that much harder for somebody to argue against Bitcoin. Right. Like right now, most people still think there's gold in the vaults. There's no gold in the vaults, right? But we're a small group of people that kind of know that. Once you've got an app and it's like Bitcoin, digital RMB, USD, Canadian dollars, and they're just different menus, uh, that's going to start getting people to think like, well, which one's held this value more, right? I, I, don't, I don't really want you to send me this one. Uh, I certainly don't want to have to uh, accept you know, Zimbabwe dollars. Uh, I, I think I'd prefer US dollars. But actually, you know what? Uh, Bitcoin's only a button away. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But uh, fast, irreversible transactions would be huge for Bitcoin adoption.
0: All right. Let's go to the Canadian. What do you think about the uh, Canadian <laughs> uh, central uh, central bank digital currency possibility?
3: Uh, I think it's been something that they've been looking at for a very, very long time. I, I know I was having meetings with them as early as 2014 around this. Um, but you know, like, like what JW is saying, if, if it will enable people to become more comfortable with digital currency, I do not really, I do not believe that it will be a public blockchain that any wallet can basically, you know, add the functionality to be able to generate key pairs for, uh, the Chinese, the, you know, the RMB that they're, that they're, that they're testing out right now is in partnership with the banks. So the banks are the ones generating the wallets. Uh, I think that's probably what's going to happen in Canada as well as they'll partner with the banks. The banks will be able to generate the wallets uh, in terms of having a digital dollar. I think there's huge benefits to that. I mean, we can start looking at a lot of the the inefficiencies of the current monetary system and the, the settlement that occurs within it. And we can see, you know, instant settlement of taxes, um, you know, being one thing, especially on payments, when in Canada we have, you know, uh, provincial sales taxes and then federal sales taxes uh, and being able to, you know, remove that liability from the businesses is one thing that, you know, I've spoken at length about uh, that can really enable, like, reduce the liability on businesses to act as tax collectors and tax holders until some later date, which ultimately just puts them in in a tricky position because, you know, if I'm, like, meister here's a thousand dollars. Hold on to this, and you you remit it later. Like that just puts undue risk on you. So that's one of the challenges of the existing system. But if we have a digital dollar that has you know programmatic elements to it, uh, we can see all sorts of benefits. Uh, ideally, I want to have it in the wallet. I want to be able to be able to take payment in it, and I want to be able to make payment and u- utilize the benefits of. Uh, you know, the, the global exchange networks and decentralized exchange networks to be able to make a payment using Bitcoin and have the Canadian merchants settle in dollars, they receive their subtotal and the government receives their their cut of the taxes uh, instantly. You know, I, I see that's, that's where it's, it's going. But, you know, at a high level, they're not calling it blockchain anymore. They've dropped the term blockchain from it. It's CBDC, it's digital currency. So it really, it, whether it has... Uh, Like a public element to it is questionable. The censorable element to it is pretty much guaranteed to be censorable. Uh, Is it private? Is it permission? Absolutely. Will it operate globally? I don't know. Um, You know, there shouldn't be any reason that I shouldn't be able to send send dollars being in America up to Canada using that. But uh, will a, a business down here accept it? Probably not. That's one of the things that the central banks are very concerned about, and like you know, and above the central banks, the geopolitical planners are really concerned about uh, a sovereign nation issuing their own currency that the world can adopt because a they don't like their currency or their currency is a terribly performing currency, and they'd much prefer to have the you know allure of stability that you know a Canadian dollar might provide. So there's lots of things to consider uh, with this. Overall, I think it's, again, it's just, there's a lot of pressure on their behalf. I remember Payments Canada wrote a report about four years ago saying blockchain, it's just not ready, not ready, not ready. But again, they are are, uh, existing gatekeepers and they don't truly want to work with disruptors. They want to keep their business lines intact. So, of course, they're going to say that. Uh, But, you know, ultimately, the Bank of Canada has a decision to make. And if they choose to release a public wallet that everybody in Canada can use, that is going to be a major threat to the deposits of Canadians within the banks. So it's a very fine line. There's lots of uh, political ramifications, societal ramifications to the release of it. And that's why I think there's so much study and discussion going on for years now around it. But we haven't really seen anything launched. We did see the RMB get launched in Shenzhen last month where they airdropped $1.5 million with a, the with a caveat that you had to spend it, um, you know, basically a test uh, amongst the population there. And I believe it was very well received. Uh, but again, like this is, I'm, 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 there's, there's two sides to the story. Uh, but overall, positive, positive for Bitcoin.
0: It, it could be a way for federal governments to put private banks out of business. Uh, that, that, that's uh, one way that they could go with this, too. Um, everyone would have a, a account with their uh, Federal Reserve or the, the equivalent of. Uh, so you wouldn't need private banks anymore, which would be uh, unfortunate, I, I think. Uh, you, another great point you brought up is that if these digital currencies from these big, powerful co- uh, countries are truly global, then yeah, why in the heck would you still be in your third-rate uh, fiat anymore in your uh, third-rate country? Uh, and so I, I I do I do think they will be global, and I do think a lot of uh, tin pot dictators are going to lose control over the uh, the printing ability in their countries because their people are going to opt into maybe U.S. dollar coin or Canada coin or Japan coin or whatever. So. Um,
3: if you are living in a, oh, and, and, you... and there's all and there's also the challenge too that they're be facing competition now from the rise of the stable coins both like like stable coins and synthetic stable coins so like they have to do something and they have publicly declared they're afraid they're like concerned about you know the growth of these networks it's still very early but they're gaining momentum. And it's very difficult to combat, uh, you know, a rising tide. It's, it'll be very interesting to see how it develops. Again, the best way to just
0: sit back and relax and enjoy the battle is to own Bitcoin and just see all the other, you know, let the tethers fight the Canada coin versus the third uh, tier coin. Oh, they're monitoring me with this coin. That's you stick with Bitcoin. You're cool. Um, but it is we're, we're entering a, very, a golden age. And of course. Something we left out is the corporations making their own coins. Also, Facebook will soon have its own coin. That's going to be competition. So I love the competition. I love it. Compete, don't complain. Uh, I have no problem with all these things happening because I'm in the best one. I have confidence that Bitcoin is the best one. So let, let Facebook have it. Let Canada have one. Let Tether have it. Whatever. Okay, before we move on to the election stuff, does anyone else have anything to say about this?
2: Yes, uh, I do, actually. I wanted to ask JW uh, what his opinion was about... You mentioned um, the idea that you can have final settlement in a digital uh, central bank digital currency. Uh, I'm of the thought that the average person is going to want reversible transactions like they can with their credit card, you know, when they don't believe it should have been sent and they want to reverse it back. And that type of functionality certainly puts too much control in their hands. Uh, And what Kyle said about uh, extracting taxes automatically again, you know, programming something into your money that you don't get to control is is not really a great feature uh, that I think a lot of people aren't going to like that kind of thing. I'm just wondering, JW, do you see a, a way that you can have final settlement with a central bank digital currency where they really are not controlling it like with Bitcoin?
1: Yeah, no, that's a good question. It, it definitely is just a policy decision, right? Like, it's not a technology thing. They can do it right now. I, yeah. I think the big picture, all the stuff that we would be worried about with uh, central bank digital currency, we have now, right? We have absolute surveillance. It's completely exactly. in the United States with paper money. Um, if you do, and the other person deposits it. They're going to be asked who they sold the car to, right? Like if it's above ten thousand dollars right now, they're, they're they're and they're constantly dropping it and they're constantly printing more money. Like they just printed. They're they're publicly saying like twenty two percent of the U S. money supply increased over the last few months. If that if you know if history is any guide, I would say it's probably close to one hundred percent because they always lie. They always understate how much money they've stolen from people. So
3: as they do that, as
1: they print more money. They don't even have to decrease the amounts, right? Like there's, there's a, a concern about this new uh, rule that's going to make the travel law where you have to report current transactions outside of the U.S. or, you know, across the border down to a certain size, bring that money down. Um, but just naturally, that's constantly coming down. And there's a reason that they got rid of the $10,000 bill in the U.S., right? They say it's all because people are doing, you know, drug deals and stuff like that. they, They can do very subtle things like that that don't seem like that big of a deal, but make it completely impractical to use paper cash. And then you're using Visa and your debit card and all these things. And all of that stuff is being fed to the to the NSA, right? Like the NSA has a, a major tap into every single internet service provider of any size, right? There's like a, a room in the data center where cables split and they go out. We know all this stuff from Snowden. Um, and, and we know that like, for example, if Uh, if some Russian oligarch uses his visa card, we know that data comes to the US, right? And goes into a visa data center, which goes directly to the NSA. So it's not as if all of these like surveillance systems and the fact that it's all, you know, your your bank account can be shut off and all of these things that are terrifying. We already have all of that. Uh, But, you know, it's a good point. Like a lot of this is just policy decisions. And if they wanted to, they could make they could give you the option of creating an account right now. Like maybe you have an account that has your, you know, $100,000 in it and you don't want to risk any transactions coming out of there not being reversible. And then you have something that is, uh, you know, it's got five grand in it and it's completely irreversible. And that means that you can actually buy some shoes on Amazon and Amazon doesn't have to charge you 15% more for those shoes because of the chargeback risk. Uh, There's no technology reason for them not to do it. But I think what this kind of represents is not really an improvement in in the technology that central banks are using and our our payments infrastructure and all of that, as much as a recognition that Bitcoin enables all these user experiences that that are really hard to live without. And I think over time, whether they call it a CBDC or whatever, they're going to have to start behaving more and more Bitcoin like uh, just just to be able to survive. Right. I mean, there's a reason that the the Chinese want everybody outside of their border to be able to hold digital RMB. And they're not saying that's the reason right They're They're saying, oh, we just want to enable new technology. But, you know, we've seen enough scam coins go around uh, at this point. We know that they're they're absolutely looking forward to foreigners holding these things. Um, and, you know, giving them value because then they can print more and then they can spend them on actual goods. Right. It's it's the it's the Litecoin scam. Right. But it's just a, on a nation state level. Um, so we know that that's what's going on. And uh, I think it's great that they're having to they're having to look more and more Bitcoin like. Um, and I do think irreversible transactions will come eventually, probably before these things die. Although, I mean, What's cool about the Sailor thing and the PayPal thing, and, and, and even COVID, uh, which I wish I hadn't said that word, but um, e- even that, it, it shows that like there is this tendency for technology to take a long time and be kind of frustrating. And I've seen this in my career a lot. I want to pull my hair out by the time something gets adopted. I think everybody is absolutely nuts for like driving their laptops into their office and home again and not having any face-to-face meetings, right, uh, but then something happens and finally the masses adopt the technology. So I think we've, we're definitely seeing that that's gonna play out with Bitcoin. It's gonna be you know, frustrating, it's gonna come along and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, there's gonna be some events that, that just put it over the tipping point. Uh, so I, I think you know, this is definitely along those lines, but you're right, it's, it's policy decisions, it's not technology that, that I'm hoping to change.
0: Right. Excellent. Well, let, let's talk about. <clears throat> when we're talking about the government. Let's talk about what's coming up on a Tuesday. There's a big election. And for the last, uh, I mean, last two weeks or so, Bitcoin's price, we've all been very happy. For all the fiat freaks out there. Uh, it, it seems like we're in a, a new, uh, it seems like it's going to be 2017 again very soon. And we've all got big smiles on our face. But at the same time, I've been saying there is, one, there is one obstacle that seems to be out there, and that is November the 3rd. Um, we all experienced what happened on March the 12th uh, when Bitcoin had the whole world financially freaked out. Um, I, Bitcoin is going to be fine over the long run, but I have been saying that November 3rd could be a day of uh, another freakout. So... That's that's how I want to put the question out there to you guys. Uh, what do you see? Uh, do you see November third being a turbulent day? Do you see there being an outcome in the election? There is no outcome? Will that cause a financial panic, or will uh, maybe Bitcoin well if things go crazy? So uh, I'll start with the I'll start with the Kyle because you've got a, a slightly different uh, take. Uh, I mean way of looking at things you um you're 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 a citizen of canada but who knows in california you probably can vote for like eight times if you want to but what is your 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 take on on the situation uh uh, with the election and bitcoin and are we going to see some turbulence here
3: yeah i don't really know i (laughs) I don't have a crystal ball on this one um you know it seems like both sides think they've got completely locked up um one of the one of the threats is a contested election that, that, that drags on for a while. Um, I feel like we've been the, the signals coming from the media have been kind of preparing for that. Yeah, I don't I don't really have too much to say about that. My goal was to actually be out of the country before the election took place, but it looks like we're going to be in in the country now. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to kind of you know like any good anarchist, just enjoy it. <laughs> all right. That's a, that is a very good take on, on the situation.
0: Do you believe the polls are false?
3: I don't trust polls. I don't trust, I don't trust big research. I don't trust mainstream re- research at all. I think in my actual experience, so I'm right now in my blockchain across America RV, and we have traveled 6,000 miles uh, since, since June and been all across the country. And I will say like personally, I have met I'd say 9 out of 10 people that I've actually like met and engaged with are for the red team. Um and that's just kind of my sentiment and I I feel like generally people are are super pissed off about the whole, you know, pandemic that's going on. Oops, sorry. Um, uh and 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 uh, I don't know. It feels like it feels like blue team wants to once wants, wants to encourage more fear, and feels like red team is doesn't want that much fear. So, I don't know. I'm I'm uh, I just saw an endorsement from Jack Nicklaus yesterday, which was pretty cute. Uh, I love Jack. He's a great golfer. He's been an inspiration for me my whole life. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't I, I I don't trust to answer the question. I don't trust the polls. No.
0: All right. All right, uh, Jim. Are you prepared for a contested election and uh, financial mayhem? Do you What, what do you expect on uh, November 3rd?
2: Well, I'm totally prepared because none of it affects me as far as I'm concerned. I don't recognize the government's authority over me. I don't recognize the voting process, but I have no control over it. Uh, they can play all they want and try to decide who's going to be in charge of everybody's lives, but I control my own life, and it's not really going to affect me. But the puppet masters who control the whole show they're going to keep as much controversy as they feel they can push society around with, uh, you know, contest the election. Sure. If they think they can get something out of it. Uh, I personally think they're all on the same team. Uh, they just make believe they're not, um, it's the central bank dominated team of the world. They pay everybody, they pay the news media, they pay everybody to toe the line and keep the narrative alive. Um, it's very manipulated as far as I'm concerned because the money is broken. People that control the money control everything, including the lives of billions of people across the planet. That gets fixed with Bitcoin. I don't think the election's going to change anything for the way society works, but Bitcoin will. So uh, will there be turmoil? Probably. If, uh, if it's a very close election, it's going to be a nightmare because both sides are really going to dig their heels in. And Of course, if Trump wins by a landslide, the Democrats will consider it rigged and probably the same the other way. So yeah, a lot of turmoil coming. Uh, I'm just gonna go surfing. I'm All good. right,
0: I, I like that attitude. But any, do you think the Bitcoin price could fall? Uh, in, 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 do you think we could see another March twelfth type of situation in, ter- in terms of the financial markets?
2: Uh, ooh, financial markets as a whole. I suppose um, I'm not. I don't think Bitcoin would would hit would go down that much this time. I think. Uh, Everybody panicked last time because this worldwide virus really everybody was afraid at the very beginning. And I think people were very unsure An election. I just don't think is going to have the same overall effect on the value of things. Uh, and I, and even if the market were to, would were to have a big correction for some reason, I don't feel like Bitcoin would have as much of a correction. And even if it did, I think it would bat, bounce back a bit quicker as it's kind of been doing all year, every dip in the market we see a slight dip in Bitcoin and Bitcoin bounces right back, sometimes way ahead of the market. So I'm not terribly concerned overall, but anything can happen as we all know. All right. Uh, and before
0: we get to, G- before we get to JW on there was a question out there. He asked me if I participate, uh, Raw Power says, do you participate in elections? Do you think your vote counts? I am registered to vote in the state of Maryland, which I can predict in the year 2024, the year 2028, will go Democrat just like it will this year, so it doesn't matter who I vote for there but I did vote I did vote for Trump uh in, in the Maryland election but my vote does not matter at all but I did do it so uh j w what is your uh and some states in Pennsylvania your vote might count uh the, <laughs> you know some of these states it's real close in Michigan Minnesota Pennsylvania but in the state of Maryland where I'm from or the state of California where uh uh <laughs> Where, where, where Kyle is now, no, your vote didn't really matter. But uh, same with JW, New York, my vote doesn't count here at all. Yeah, so same thing in New York or New Jersey. It's it's predetermined. I mean, it's you could say right now in the year 2024 in New Jersey or New York, the Democrat has already won. It's not. But uh, JW, what is? It? Are we going to see some finance, Bitcoin turbulence on Tuesday? Uh, what's your take on this?
1: I think it's possible. I mean, my, my normal answer to these sort of questions is I don't care. It doesn't matter. You should be holding Bitcoin for, you know, several years, not, not several weeks. Uh, But I, there, there is something that's kind of changed recently in my mind. And that is, and I think the sailor thing has had something to do with it, where I was hoping we would get people to the point where they're like, "All right, everybody's going to put in one percent, right?" It's it's still going to be treated as a speculative sort of thing. Let's let's get the corporation to throw one percent into Bitcoin, the high net worth guys, you know, and and the little guys too. Let's let's get everybody to one percent. Uh, but now uh, with all of the stuff, I mean, I guess the sailor thing kind of capped it off. But with all the money printing that we've seen in response to you know the stuff that's happened this year, um, it's definitely not. Clear how how valuable your dollars are going to be, right? So it really is becoming, I think, uh, in my mind, uh, more of a savings technology. And when everybody's got their savings in it, and it, it's purchasing power can still fluctuate so much. I mean, it, it kind of sucks. Um, and I I don't know uh, I don't know what to say other than that. Yeah, it can fluctuate a lot, but with um, the dollar, is definitely going down, right? There's no question it was going down probably at 4 to 6% in previous years we could easily see it going down at 20% right i mean they they said they increased the supply by 22% so if you know all other things being equal and there is no demand for cash with almost uncertainty but all other things being equal you would expect your purchasing power to go down by 22% right um cuz it's not going to be offset by population increase or 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 anything like that so you know it's a, it's it's a it's a tough question for me now because I can't say that I feel good that there's not going to be a lot of volatility and it couldn't drop a lot. But I also can't give my you know standard suck it up buttercup. That's not how you invest answer anymore. So um, what I would say is, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world all the way around. Hopefully we can get through this this period um, over the next few years. Uh, I don't think it's all the, you know, Team Red and Team Blue stuff going on. I think that's a reflection of some major economic shifts, right? Like the U.S. was the superpower. China and India just can't help but matter a lot more than us in 50 years, right? So we are going to see that 2 billion population make a bigger impact on the world than our 350, 400 million. It's just a matter of how that how that transition takes place and who's on which side during the process. And it's, it's going to be ugly. And I think that our best hope overall is that we all transition into Bitcoin instead of transitioning from one group of slave owners to another. Uh, but it's going to be tough between now and then. So I think, you know, huddle your Bitcoin, uh, let it let it do what it's going to do. And uh, trust God to get you through it because it's, you know, there's just too much uncertainty.
0: Very, very good point. No matter what turbulence happens, one bitcoin equals one bitcoin. Remember that, people. Remember that. And it will be nice to get through uh, the the election season because I think once that's passed, Bitcoin will not return to anything below the the five digit realm. But we we shall see. But I do think no I, I think uh, Tuesday is the the events around Tuesday are a threat to Bitcoin's temporarily uh, to temporarily put low. Uh, ten thousand. Now, I, I, again, I, it's not going to it's not going to be as dramatic as what happened on the twelfth of March. But we, again, just prepare yourself, people. But remember, one bitcoin equals one bitcoin. Johnny in N, Johnny, NY. Thank you very much for the ten dollars you say. Thank you, Adam. Now I can say no to anyone. Now, what's he referring there? When you are in the Bitcoin overlay, you you get gain the confidence in yourself. You can say no. You don't have to go along with everybody just to get along. So, you can keep on getting paid, okay? That, that's part of independence and freedom and being an individual and understanding Bitcoin. You can say no because you know you're not gonna lose your wealth. Might lose some friends, supposed friends, but uh, when, when, you, when you start gaining that confidence in no, you, you know that uh, you, you are uh, in the Bitcoin overlay and you're valuing your wealth in Bitcoin. All right, well, let's go to something that JW tweeted. We're running out of time here, but I wanted to discuss this uh, JW tweet. Discrete log contracts, which are uh, smart contracts built on Bitcoin or DLCs for short. Who had a tweet out there, JW, three years ago when everyone was freaking out about Lightning Network, I said it was too early to be more than a critical education for investors. Today, I'm saying DLCs are going to get mass adoption within two years and it's going to be crazy. Okay, smart contracts on Bitcoin
1: mass adoption two years what's this w yeah so so DLCs are are, they're called discrete or stands for discrete log contracts but they're basically like you can think of them as a fancy multi-sig like a fancy two of three multi-sig or something like that but what they enable is they enable uh they they reduce trust on arbiters right so if if I was going to buy a pair of shoes from you and you're going to ship the shoes to me and I'm going to buy them for, you know, 0.01 Bitcoin. We could use a third party, right? We could do a two of three multi-sig setup where you have to use two keys in order to spend the money. And so if we agree, you know, I, I received the shoes, then I can I can sign and release the funds. You can sign and you have them. if we disagree. They weren't the right color or whatever and you, you don't want to uh you don't want to send me the right shoes i don't want to send them back then that third person gets to decide right so they they have the third key they can they pick a side and they decide who gets the bitcoin to, Were the shoes actually delivered or not you know sort of thing so that's a real simple smart contract that's been in bitcoin for a long time Um, And in theory, we could do bets and people have done bets, right? You see them on Twitter pretty regularly. I I bet Trump's going to win. And, you know, we could, we could pick a a third person between us to make sure that neither one of us cheats and lock up that Bitcoin and make sure somebody gets paid. So it's possible, but with discrete log contracts, the, the risk and the incentive for cheating and a lot of other things go, go down. So I, I won't try to even do a good job explaining exactly why that is. There's a, a good talk by the Bits guys on how it works. But the, the end result is that gambling is a lot easier on Bitcoin. Um, it's a lot safer. And the reason that that matters is that It's not just like betting over little things, right? You could have prediction markets grow out of that, which everybody's been excited about. And a lot of that excitement, I mean, we can thank the guys at Augur and a few other scammers for taking a lot of passion and excitement uh, around something that could actually solve things like like this this problem, uh, this, uh, you know, uh, let's see, how do I wanna say this without hitting the flags again? This uh, (laughs) this inconvenience that we've all experienced over the last year, Part of the reason for it, or really what it is, is it's a disinformation campaign, right? There's not actually a problem there. I think everybody on this call knows that. But with social media and other things, people have been freaked out and they've given away a lot of their freedoms. Something like prediction markets could actually solve this problem because people that know that it's BS can put skin in the game and bet that it's BS. People that don't know and are stupid enough to actually say it and put their money where their mouth is will bet against it and say, oh, that it, this really is a real problem. And you know what happens after that? Stupid people get poor, smart people get rich. Next time, the stupid people can't vote as hard, right? Because they don't have those resources anymore. And uh, in the meantime-
3: Now too, guys, so in case that happens, mad love. (laughs) Okay, okay, keep
1: on doing, keep on talking, Jason. Sorry about that. Yeah, so, so what I was saying is that, you know, if when you do have the ability to bet on stuff, like this, uh, like this problem, this uh, you know health problem. Let's say that we've had over the last. What what you end up doing is um, moderately intelligent people can look at that and they predict elections really well, right? Like if you want to know who's going to win, you, you don't go to the polls, you go to the the betting markets uh, because there's incentive to tell the truth right if you have insider information and you know about you know let's say for example a laptop that's about to get put out you can make a lot of money with that knowledge by making a bet that x person is going to win or y person is going to win and that is actual real data right it's not it's not all this bs uh you know social media likes or whatever uh, so that had a ton of potential unfortunately the scumbags at Augur and other places took all of that real excitement and that real potential and they used it to just fleece people right just like the ethereum guys used excitement around smart contracts in general to fleece a bunch of people and suck a bunch of resources away from working on it on bitcoin but what's cool is with DLCs, just like with you know Simplicity and Ethereum, we're seeing real solutions come to the marketplace because they actually take time, right? You can't just throw together a, a fancy website with some flash animation and screw investors. You actually have to do stuff. Um, and so DLCs represent stuff like that actually being able to come to market. And uh, I think that it's going to have a huge impact. I don't think that the health issue that we've had over the last year will be possible in 10 years because of DLCs. Mm, very. Let's hope so.
0: <laughs> All right, we're gonna get a conclusionary remarks. Kyle, your first is your phone's gonna die, man. Say uh, any stories that are on your mind, what you're doing, uh,
3: take it away. Uh, so thank you everybody for, uh, for, for this wonderful hour. It's been an incredible discussion. Uh, one of the other things that I saw this week too was what that, that World Economic Forum's Great Reset where they issued in the future, you're not going to own anything, and you're going to be happy. It's like this uh-huh. dystopic messaging is so, oh, just grinds my gears. And but again, things are done in plain sight, and that's kind of what we gotta we gotta look to. If anybody who's interested in the plan, <clears throat> World Economic Forum has released a book called "The Great Reset," where you can get insight into what they're thinking behind all of this. Um, but yeah. As far as I, I go, I'm just living my life, building out Swiss Key, trying to bring uh, bring crypto to the masses, make things ex- easy and accessible. Uh, follow me on Twitter. Hit me up with anything. I'm here to help. I'm here to connect. I'm here to serve. Um, <clears throat> deeply grateful for uh, anybody who's watching, their attention, their audience. And uh, back to you, back to you, Meister. Thank you, brother. Love you.
0: All right. And remember to vote nine times on Tuesday. like am all- not going to do that. Okay. All right. Now, I I do all three of these guys. are Follow all of them. All right. Jim, what's what's going on with you? Uh, Stories you want to talk about anything?
2: Uh, Sure. I'll mention a couple of things. Uh, Johnny, who left you 10 bucks in the chat. If you look a little further up, he says, I have stacked it when Adam said to buy 10 BTC for four thousand so johnny's been stacking for a while and that's why he could say no to everything so i just thought that was interesting wanted to point that out um yeah i almost was uh outside like kyle today because right now the i'll tell you what the buoy report says there's a buoy 20 miles off the coast of fire island long island and the waves are 11 and a half feet right now so i am leaving when we're done to go surfing uh my passion in life and i do it as often as i possibly can Uh, I don't wear a mask, of course. Uh, I have not worn a mask the entire time because it's a big ruse. Um, Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's money. Bitcoin is going to fix a lot of things. Bitcoin is going to straighten out a lot of politics. Um, Let's see. What else can I say? Uh, I am just loving life. Um, I am in the process of liquidating my life and turning as much of it into Bitcoin as I can so I could move that value into the future and enjoy it later in life. I suggest as many people do as much of that as they possibly can because Bitcoin matters, people. Bitcoin matters big time. Adam, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate getting to spew my crazy opinion about everything out to the world. Hopefully some people will like it and learn from it and fix their own lives for the better like we are all doing. Bitcoin fixes a lot of stuff. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah,
0: It's good to get rid of those attack vectors that some call possessions. Be your own bank. Look at that one shirt. Be your own bank, people. Everybody show their shirt. All right. And very good point. Uh, People out there, the the tune is going to change. People say, why not put a 1% allocation in the Bitcoin? 1% of your wealth. I mean, Michael Saylor, He maybe he's changed that uh, paradigm. Maybe he's changed that. I, I hope so. And I'm I'm not giving financial advice, but I obviously have more than one percent of my wealth in Bitcoin. My lord. And uh, clearly you're going in that direction too, Jim. So so awesome for you, uh, JW. We'll uh, let you have the final word here.
1: Ah, well, thanks for having me. It was it's always fun hanging out with you guys. Uh, I think uh, as far as parting parting words, I'll just say. It's going to be fine, you know. If if your life sucks right now, it'll probably suck after the election. If it's good right now, it'll probably be good after the election. So there's there's a lot of tendency to overthink uh, the importance of other, you know. It's like the stoic thing, right? Like uh, Tim May is always good at at, at uh, kind of pushing this idea that you know there's a lot of stuff out there you can't control, but most of the stuff that actually affects the way that you feel in your life is stuff that you can not control. So focus on that. Um, so learn to code. Make a good contribution to your family. Take care of take care of each other, and uh, yeah, stack some sats.
0: All right, good good uh, pre election show here. Uh, I'm just writing down some notes for uh, next time. All right, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. This is Meister. Thank you, guest. You rocked it. Everyone, pound that like button. Everybody, Shabbat Shalom. We do this Friday, every freaking Friday. You never know what time it's going to be at. But we'll be back, and you get a new show here every day. So tomorrow will be uh, – who knows what we'll be talking about on Saturday here. Sunday will probably be Beyond Bitcoin or both. To, who knows? Tune, Keep on tuning in. Subscribe to it. Retweet this. That's the best way you can support the show. And thank you for all the people who did the Super Chats and support uh, financially. Have a strong hand. You will have the same amount of Bitcoin. Uh, you know, If everything goes crazy on Tuesday – And if you don't do anything crazy, you'll still have the same amount of Bitcoin as you did beforehand. And that's how you value your wealth. Uh, Thanks a lot, everybody. See you very soon.